0: do you know someone who struggles with pain and depression you know, pain and depression are so interconnected you know one thing can lead to another depression can lead to pain pain can lead to depression and it creates a self-perpetuating cycle would you like to learn how to break this cycle so you could live your best life then this episode is for you give us thumbs up if you're interested welcome to happy and healthy mind My name is Dr. Rosina, and over the last 20 years, I have been serving as a medical doctor specializing in psychiatry, a best-selling author, and a transformative speaker. I believe that our mind is the software that runs the hardware of both our brain and body. Therefore, I share practical tips for your mental fitness over here so you can live your best life without burnout and unnecessary suffering. Please consult your healthcare professional for any specific treatment advice. But if you find this content helpful, then join our mission of eradicating preventable sufferings and suicides by liking, subscribing, and sharing so more people can live a happier and healthier life. And uh, today our guest is Jill Babiers. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Mm, thank you,
0: Rosina. So, Jill is a yoga practitioner of 20 years who's specializing in helping people heal their pain, especially their back and shoulder and neck pain. Through her private sessions and online sessions, she takes a very gentle, therapeutic approach to helping you unravel your back pain and get your life back again. So, let's learn from her today. So, Jill, Tell us, how did this topic become important in your life? Your kind of story before and after...
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, since it affects me personally. So having scoliosis since I've been 15 and having to work with pain around that, and then how that affected my mental health. So those two together, um, and, and it being such a personal experience for me, and then to be able to go down the journey of healing, and now to be living pain free and to be in full remission
0: from depression,
1: and able to live really well, you know, with depression.
0: That's wonderful. Wonderful. So describe a little bit more that before you adopted these tools that you're going to teach us a little later, how life was, you mentioned that you were having pain, and you were having depression, but like, how did uh, practically it affected your life? One thing that always comes
1: to mind is just the pain would not let me live the way I wanted to live. So doing hiking would not would be painful. Um, Sweeping the floor would be painful. I found myself having to lie on my back a lot of times just to alleviate the pain. So just the day to day activities, as well as just wanting to be active, just wanting to hike, just wanting to do things, and then just driving in a car. For a long distance, also just causing so much discomfort, I would have to stop, get out, stretch. And now um, I don't have to do any any of that anymore.
0: Wonderful. And so how was pain causing depression for you?
1: Well, especially with chronic pain, right? So when you've had pain consistently for year after year after year, it can really make you feel very heavy. And, and not clear, and also like this will to live, this drive of like, how do I function with my career or my family when pain is always at the forefront? So that can really, it, it, like it affected my day-to-day life and then it led me down that path myself being predisposed to depression as well. And then it just really elevated the depression and the pain and the depression together as they affect each other, as you mentioned, is they were, they were like both going back and forth all of a sudden the depression is a lot. And then the pain or vice versa, the pain
0: is leading to the depression. And did you feel that when you were feeling like, you know, a little uplifted and not as depressed, you were able to handle the pain a little bit more and when you were like more depressed then the pain also got worse
1: yeah yep they often will go hand in hand absolutely
0: well you know i'm sure our audience would love to hear some of the tools that helped you so are there some of the things you can share with us that helped you so that can also help our listeners
1: Yeah, yeah. Three things. um, Listening, moving and having support are the three things that really help me. So the first one listening, you know, being able to find a space that you can be with yourself to really hear what your body is saying. And what it's saying on all these different, we say kosha levels. So where's the mind and the messages coming through there, the emotion, the breath, the energy, along with the physical. So taking time to listen to all these different layers and recognize what what is your body um, trying to tell you? What's the message, the story that's coming through and wants to be heard? for you then to be able to move. And I say gently move. So in the yoga therapy is what I am working with. And that movement is not like traditional yoga. It's very slow, very gentle. I often have my clients lying on their back or sitting in a chair and we begin with the listening. And then we go into, I call it like embodied movement. So that if, if, uh, like anger is present that day, how can we embody the anger? How does the body want to move with the anger in this way that it can start to move through you, maybe a little bit out of you, right? So this gentle movement and being guided from like someone like myself can be really helpful with that. And the third one, the support Rosina is I like to say creating a team around you, So like the professionals that we know are very helpful when we're working with mental health or with pain is creating this support. So whether that's support groups, that's your yoga class, that's going to your yoga therapist, that you create this around you and people that really hear you and listen to you and acknowledge what you're going through. So those three things have been instrumental in my healing and I continue with them every day.
0: So you said listen. Mm -hmm. move Mm -hmm. and support yeah okay Mm -hmm. so let's kind of go a little bit more in terms of okay let me so let's say if i'm in pain okay Mm -hmm. how do you i listen to my body because usually when let's say sometimes i do have back pain and so i want to distract from it i don't want to i don't want to stay with it because it's uncomfortable so how do i listen to my body despite my desire to not feel it.
1: Yeah. What I like to say, which is so common, right? That that happens all the time. So I help my clients to gently walk towards it. Hmm. So we learn how, how can we do that? How can we, sometimes I use the analogy of, I will sit at a table and have tea with anger or have tea with sadness. So there I am, and I'm just I'm just having tea with her. So I'm not like trying to run away from her or push or pull. I'm just like there you are, like there you are, sadness. You're part of me today. And what might you be connected to? And I'm here just to visit with you. I'm here just to 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 speak and hear what you
0: might have to say. So it's so a like really pain for, if you have the pain. So you're sitting. I can say here, you're my pain. I would like to sit with you and have tea. Mm -hmm. That kind of feels a little weird, doesn't it? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's because we, we disconnect, right?
1: We just, we don't want to go to, to the, the roots and the connections of things. I know it's kind of silly and it's interesting when I work with clients in the beginning too, because they just want it to go away. So they're always like, no, I don't want to go towards it. I don't want to approach it gently, which is how it was for me with scoliosis my whole life too. I strongly disliked my back. So for me to go down the path of, can I actually love my back as it is? Can I accept what I've been born with with the scoliosis and the moment you know I've done so much movement over the years and PT and chiropractic all these people but it was like a pivotal moment for me to walk towards my spine walk towards the pain and be able to really gently softly listen and hear what stories am I telling myself about my back that is making this pain a lot worse So it's like what story
0: I I am telling myself. Yeah, that's That's, the. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the root cause of a lot of suffering. You know, uh, when it comes to depression, anxiety, many of the mental illnesses, and of course, including the pain. So, what stories am I telling? Let's break it down a little bit further. So, like. I'll just kind of uh, pretend that I'm a patient and I'm in pain and I'm saying, okay, sometimes I see patients who are injured. Okay. So Mm -hmm. sometimes my injured patients would say, I am so upset with myself. Why didn't I get help before picking up this tool that caused the injury? Or why did I go over there? Or why did I do this and start blaming self for getting injured? So is that the story you're talking about?
1: Yeah. Yep. And you, I use a little tool that I work with, with people where when I ask them, so I would ask you, Rosina, so you have back pain today and you're low back. And then you would respond to me that Jill, when you ask me that the story I'm telling myself is that I'm blaming myself for falling. I'm blaming myself. And then I ask them, and how does that make you feel? And we kind of set the two parts aside, you know, the part of what happened in me asking the part of the story you're telling yourself, and then we try to gently go towards the feeling. Mm -hmm. So I work a lot with the layers, I kind of say like your back pain has nothing to do with your back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and this is what you speak about from, from what I've studied from you is like it's the, the underlying and going to the places we don't think that the, the healing can happen from and, and the mind and, and these other layers of emotion and thought and beliefs are really where, where we yeah. can heal.
0: So I don't say that it has, doesn't have anything to do with your back. <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm also a medical doctor, right? So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. what I say is the, the injury is there. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And then the muscles around the injury, let's say you fell down, okay? You had yeah. a ligament, tear, or even bone uh, fracture or something, okay? Or your vertebra problem and so so the injury is there and then the body tries to protect that area because any movement can increase the pain or like you know make it more unstable so the body becomes tight and it become it, it all the muscles around it becomes tight to hold the thing in place so it doesn't cause further damage Mm-hmm. And then there is a lot of you know blood coming over there to heal the process, whatever is the injury. And so this is kind of the acute injury reaction which is normal and it should happen it, it helps us heal. Mm-hmm. what happens is when the acute injury becomes chronic and the muscles remain tight for a long time and then the you know the inflammation stays for a long time then the brain develops certain pain pathways and it is known that the acute pain pathways are different than the chronic pain pathways Mm -hmm. so it kind of develops and even when the the injury is resolving the the pain pathways have been established so you feel pain as well as because your muscles have stayed tight for so long they get into this tight mode and they become like really create secondary pain And um, so there's the secondary pain. And then again, then this emotional overlay with, you know, blaming yourself, feeling guilty, feeling anger, that all of those things also increase the muscle tension and adds to additional secondary pain. So sometimes I tell tell my patient, you may not be able to do anything right away about your acute physical injury but you can do a lot to decrease the secondary pain that is being created by both your muscle tightness and your emotional feelings that you are not able to do it feeling it unconsciously and so focusing on exactly that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I talk about holding patterns, Rosina, too, where we hold ourselves and the intelligence of the body. So when we have these acute injuries, and going to your support people, your doctors and who you need to go to, and then the holding patterns happen. And we I work with clients to unravel that, those holding patterns and how they come through those other layers of of breath and emotion and thought. So yeah, it's really a huge, a huge piece that, you know, first, they have to be cleared. With, with, from the physical side of it. And then, you know, that's the first layer we always go to anyway. So it's like honoring where, what are your limitations and what things do we have to, you know, look at people's x rays, you know, all of things like that, so that we're, we're honoring that. And then from there, like the secondary, like you said, then we go down the path of the other layers. And nine out of the 10 times I work with people, the healing comes from those layers. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, and I see the patients, a patient after patient, and the healing comes from that emotional healing. You're able to manage the pain better, even if it does not disappear. Your scoliosis may not have disappeared, right? But because because of these tools, exactly. it helped you manage better. So that uh, brings us to the second point about the movement. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, again, you know, when you're in pain, you don't want to move, and so right. how do you? How do you reconcile that if I actually move, it would decrease my pain? How do you come around that? Because, um, you know, intellectually and unconsciously, you feel that if you move, it would increase your pain. And you see it, that it increases your pain initially. Right, exactly. Yep.
1: So this is why I will start with someone seated or lying on their back and we're still. You know, so the first part is being still together and and starting to gently listen and walk in. And then the movements are very intuitive. So we ask the body, how would you like to move? You know, what way? And I'm swaying because a lot of times it's just this. We just start swaying and I'll start swaying with them. And then the nervous systems, you know, both of our nervous systems will start to um, connect and we'll have more of this where you're following the inside of the body, not following the pain. So this swaying, something very gentle, something that does not cause pain, and then people are very used of, um, you know, like stretching and going to this pain place or going to this, oh, it hurts so good. And in yoga therapy, because we study the nervous system so much, Rosina, we back way off from all of that. So it's this listening of, okay, do you think as you move your spine right now, and you're like, oh, that doesn't feel so great. So I want you to back off that movement. And, and really, I say on a scale of one to 10, you're working at like a four or a five. And we're not ever used to that. We always think it should hurt or we should push hard. Or there's this fear that we shouldn't move at all that you're speaking of. Like if I move, it's going to hurt more. So here we go into the fear, right? And the emotion piece. So they're all intertwined, right? These layers or koshas in Sanskrit are all intertwined. And so we kind of dance around all of them. So I'll sit with someone and this movement will look very different than what you would think. We could be sitting in a chair, swaying (laughs) and speaking with what's happening with the spine right now. How is it feeling? Well, what if we move forward a little? What if we move back a little? So it's this real deep listening and it's very small movements, but yet quite profound and quite connected to all of our systems at once.
0: Yeah, I always go with the balance and everything. And so yeah. not too much of the movement. Right. You, know, you just don't go to the really heavy Hatha yoga right. type of exercise where you're kind of trying to stand upside down on your head. <laughs> then you are having a lot of back pain right (laughs) (laughs) but then you also don't restrict yourself to bed all the time and saying okay well any movement causes the pain so i'm not going to move much and that creates a lot of restriction and so the more you restrict the more the muscles jam the more the pain Mm -hmm. and so you need to break that cycle Right. but you know staying in that like you said five out of ten zone where you are somewhere in the middle you're pushing a little bit but not too much and at every moment you're listening to the body so you're not over exerting and yet bringing the benefit of movement so we talked about listening to the body we talked about moving the body what about bringing the support? So how do we bring in the support as you were mentioning you creating the team? So tell us a yeah. little bit more, like now how do I create my team?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if I have a client come in to me and a lot of times they might just be going to like their medical doctor and that doctor has referred them to come to work with a the yoga therapist. And so I'll be working with them, and they won't necessarily have like a psychiatrist on board or a psychologist more so on board or a support group. Uh, you know, other different ways that people and some and people in their lives, too, that can hold space for them as they're going through this healing. So a lot of times we just are like, oh, I'm just going to do this. But really, you need support. So in my times of going through when it was really difficult, I had support every day. So I would maybe be a phone call to a friend. Another day, I'd be meeting with my doctor. Another day, I'd be going to my yoga therapist. So it's starting to build this team around you. So my clients really learn like, Who should I have around me? And so many of them will find their first therapist ever will find their first PT ever, you know, and recognize that we all have things that can help you. And that's the approach I've taken. I've really blended. I like to say the Western medicine and the Eastern medicine, both are so important to have been important to my healing. I've needed them both so much. So I'm very open to to blending them and letting people know, you know, your team is
0: going to be unique to you. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting because, you know, I'm doing my fellowship in integrative psychiatry. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I've I've been conventionally trained and now I'm kind Mm -hmm. of learning all the integrative approaches to combining this Eastern and Western, ancient and modern uh, green pharmacy with conventional uh, medicine. (laughs) And so that... You know, everything can, can help, but, you know, you want to like something may help, something may not help other person. And so it's not like, you know, one pill fix all. We are a whole human being. So we need to address both mind, body, soul, and spirit or social. This is a great idea. Maybe what I should do is make a list of all the people whom I can feel the support. One of the nice. things that I have seen that when people are depressed, they don't want to ask for help. Mm -hmm. They feel guilty for asking for help. Mm -hmm. And then if they do ask, you know, they ask to, they want to totally depend on a person. And so let's say if, if I have a really good friend who is like really helpful, but one time I call her and she does not respond right away or she is busy with something else, then I feel like really offended and I don't want to call her again. And I think that is one of the issues that people with both pain and depression go through. And so what do you suggest in that situation?
1: Yeah, that 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 happened to me personally, where when I didn't have a big enough team, right? You're going to that same person. And also like your spouse, you can end up all of a sudden, that's just too much for like your spouse to handle. So this slowly starting to build this team so that you do have different resources you can go to at different times I would have like a phone list beside me and just oh wait I can reach out to this person or this person I also have what I call like my resourcing list you know so I look at that and, and I can remind myself who can I reach out to and who can I reach out to for however I'm feeling that day and they're all going to have different wonderful, different feedback, even if they're, you know, not um, contrary to the other person. It's like, you're still, you're still going to get something that is going to help you. But as you create that team, so you don't feel so alone and it's so hard, we call it the 10 ton phone sometimes in therapy. It's so hard to pick it up. It's so hard to pick it up and ask for help. Like what you said, Especially, (laughs) especially when you're working with depression, you know, in particular, and then this pain too, is like the energy to pick it up, the energy to call someone, the energy to make the doctor's appointment can be really challenging. So if you have a big support group, sometimes you maybe just need to call the friend to say, I really need to set up this therapy appointment. Can you encourage me? And so that's what I'll do with my clients to encourage them. Did you set that up yet? And then so people that can support you, hold space for you and encourage you to create this team around you so that you have support from so many different angles.
0: So you can have people in immediate family. Mm -hmm. You can have people from your friend group. Mm -hmm. You can have people from your coaches, therapists, you know, if you're going to even ymca your your uh, trainer over there or the, the people who are participating in the group exercise over there if you are going to pt or pt yeah. if you if you have a yoga counselor or yoga therapist then you have yoga therapist or acupuncture or massage mm-hmm. therapist you could have. Uh, of course, you're not going to be able to call massage therapist for your psychia, you know, psychological yeah. support. So you want to kind of identify who can help you in what area. Plus, there's so many online groups now available. <laughs> there are there are that that you can seek for support. I think one of the one of the one of the negative things that has happened with these online groups is that sometimes people start just re- use it for venting purposes. Um, and so mm-hmm. you want to choose the right group where people are there to support each other rather than to just went out and be very negative because you know when people are depressed and they are feeling negative they could kind of feel negative and then they if this is the only place that they have connection that they're going to spill over all the negativity and then it affects other people in the group so you exactly. want to kind of choose the groups that are supportive and uh, encouraging and positive so that it helps you through the journey. And there are tons of groups. So if you don't like one group, you can always find another.
1: And the timing, I'm thinking of the timing, Rosina, too, because one of my therapists, you know, when I was going through the the depression part, is that she would, I was in this support group, but it was that support group was good at that time. And it shouldn't be like a lifeboat, she said, it's just the raft that got me from the severe your trauma to, to now that. i'm on the other yeah so different times different people will help and so you know wonderful. that support group was good for a year or two years about i went to that one and now it doesn't serve me but it was a okay. lifeline then
0: yeah so yeah, at wonderful. different times yeah different things great yeah great mm-hmm. well i'm just realizing that uh time is passing so give some resources to people so so they can further their understanding of this topic and take steps. How can they reach you? They would like to. They can reach me at healingwithjill.com.
1: And on there, when you go in, you'll receive a 10 minute free meditation that um, will talk about these different layers of healing that we've been talking about today, helping you with emotion and thought and the physical pain. So it's a lovely meditation. And there you can sign up for a connection session with me, too, which is a three uh, free 30 minute session to just talk about your story and see
0: if if we'd be a good fit for me to help you. That'd be wonderful. Thank you so much. And Jill has been gracious enough to also share another gift, which would be uh, six simple exercises to heal your back pain and you can get it by signing up going to happyandhealthymind.com and resources and as always if you would like to get the uh, text reminders for the future programs or ask the questions during the program recording you can text the word joyful to 38470 and we'd be happy to send you the links for uh, resources and reminders. And so I just kind of ask you to kind of wrap up things for our audience. what would happen if people do follow your tools? what would happen if they don't if you have any you message?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so not following them, we end up staying in chronic pain a lot of times, which then can lead to depression and uh, other parts of our lives don't go so well. And so, uh, but when you do listen, and you do follow and you come in and you work with say a yoga therapist, and you work with this listening and moving and support, you can free that pain. And you and you don't have to live so much in fear of when's the pain going to come again, or how bad is it going to be, but you can free it. And and essentially you have freedom in your life then you don't have to fear about the pain as much and you know you have support around you and you know you have resources and tools within
0: that you've learned to help work with them that's wonderful thank you so much and it's time for the special of the day and so i want to also remind people that at the end of each program i do a little special and many times i answer your question so if you have any questions you can send it to us through the website of happyandhealthymind.com or the link would be in the description send us the question so i can answer those questions in our special section for today's special we had a question and this question comes up frequently what type of provider should i seek help when i'm feeling depressed or anxious or have pain and depression there are so many different types of providers and it is so confusing and so if you would like to learn the differences between different types of mental health providers especially in us at this time then stay with me all right so what is the what is the difference and which provider to see it depends on what stage of health problem you're going through and i always use this uh, analogy of traffic lights on road of life Hmm. So ask what is the color of light for me if you are in the green zone where you know things are going smoothly and there's not too many troubles then you approach the wellness coaches then you approach the wellness tools you go to the exercise to the gym you work with improving your as I say optimizing your mental and physical health coaches come at that level then if you if your light is at yellow you know you're feeling stress some of the symptoms are coming some of the pain is coming you're trying to do yourself as much as you can so do a lot of you know self self self-help work at that time and then if you're still having the issue seek a counselor a counselor usually is master's level trained person who is able to help you get through some of the difficulties of life so those are the counselors sometimes they're also called therapists and there are multi multitude of integrative approaches healing approaches like yoga healers like acupuncture like mm-hmm. a massage therapist and so when you are in that yellow zone you want to seek those kind of practitioners and then if you are at the red zone you know you have the symptoms are really severe you're not able to sleep or your appetite is affected or your functioning starts getting affected so you're kind of getting into the clinical disorder type of situation and in that situation you really want to seek either a psychotherapist a psychologist a psychiatrist a psychiatric nurse practitioner or psychiatric uh, physician assistant these are the people who are kind of higher level trained to deal with more mental, you know when the mental stress has gone into mental depression or anxiety and within that also you start with psychotherapy first so you go with the counselor or psycho uh, psychologist who can walk you through identify these hint- mind hindrances that is making it hard for you to heal and as you're working with the therapist if they realize that you know your symptoms are so severe that you're not able to work on some of the healing processes then you can get support of medication or support you know higher level support and in that case you should see a, nurse, a psychiatric nurse practitioner a psychiatric physician assistant or a psychiatrist and what's the difference? A psychiatric nurse practitioner is somebody who's gone through the nursing background and then they do advanced studies to learn to prescribe and function as a physician. So they are called advanced registered nurse practitioner or doctorate of nurse practitioner, so DNP or ARNP. Physician assistant is again somebody who has trained to work with the physician and then they get advanced tre- uh, advanced training to be able to prescribe basic medical and basic uh, psychiatric treatment and a psychiatrist is a medical doctor go finish the medical school and then they specialize in psychiatry like a medical doctor who specializes in surgery or somebody who specializes in respiratory disorders or stomach disorders a psychiatrist specializes in mental disorders so those are some of the different choices you have and I would suggest that you take step-by-step approach based on the severity of your condition and the goal is always to reach to that green zone and to your optimum mental Health and well-being. I leave you with this question: You know, many times people say, "Well, if I seek treatment, that means I would be crazy." Is it crazy to seek help to get better, or is it crazy to suffer when all the help is available? And so, ask yourself: What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to waste all your life potential mm-hmm. uh, on a suffering that may or may not be in your control? Or are you going to take an empowered step to get yourself the best help possible, whether it is self-help with the coaches or a counselor or a medication provider or advanced psychiatric provider. On that note, stay safe, happy, and healthy. Every day is a new day. Keep making the best decision every day. Take care.